Hey guys, I'm Lily, um, and I'll be reading First Chronicles 16, if any of you guys brought your Bibles, or it's on the screen, if you can see it behind me. Okay. Um, Let the whole earth sing to the Lord, each day proclaim the good news that he saves. Publish his glorious deeds among the nations. Tell everyone about the amazing things he does. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. O nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. Give to the Lord the glory he deserves, bringing your offering and coming to his presence. Worshiping the Lord in all his holy splendor. Let all the earth tremble before him. The world stands firm and cannot be shaken. Let all the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Tell the nations the Lord reigns. Thank you. You guys have a seat if you're not already, unless you have. Um, again, my name is Matt. We're going to be talking tonight about worship. And Lily read us that uh, passage from First Chronicles about um, ascribing uh, worth to God, ascribing to God how worthy He is uh, of our worship. So we're going to be talking about that all tonight. I'm going to pray, uh, and we'll jump into it. Father God, thank you again uh, for a chance to gather uh, with my brothers and sisters here tonight. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do exactly what you want in the hearts uh, of each, uh, each guy and girl here tonight. God, would you make our hearts good soil to receive your word? Would you till up any, any weeds or, or stones or anything that would uh, keep your word from accomplishing all that it wants in our hearts and in our lives, God? Would you bear uh, a harvest of faith, a harvest of righteousness in each one of us, God? Um, Holy Spirit, have your way with the rest of our time here this evening. Uh, God, do what you please. Have your way and not my way. Your way and not the way of any person, God. Do what you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. So we've got... Uh, We've got some visitors here tonight, a crew from Texas. What city in Texas? Arlington. It's right up by Dallas. Yeah, everything's by Dallas, right? So so a crew here from, from Arlington. Uh, has it been a mission trip for you guys this week? Has it been good? And you roll back this evening, just drive all through the night. Don't understand that correctly. So we'll pray. We'll pray that you guys have a safe <laughs> trip back. Well, you probably sleep while you drive a safe trip back. Um, yeah, yeah. So uh, again, my name is Matt. Uh, my wife and I are uh, directors, pastors of, of Chi Alpha here at the University of Memphis. Um, when you guys uh, and graduate and you go to school somewhere uh, and you, you, you step on the college campus, man, look up Chi Alpha. See if they've got a Chi Alpha group. And if they don't have a Chi Alpha, they're going to have something. Some kind of campus ministry, some kind of group of folks that love Jesus that you can plug into uh, and connect with. And I really encourage you to do that. We need community. There's no long-ranger Christians, right? Christianity is a team sport. You can't do it by yourself. Uh, so when you step on that college campus, find a team, find a community that's really going for God, uh, and plug in, worship with them, and grow in your relationship with God. All right? That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about tonight, but it's good for you guys. So when I was 18, uh, when I was 18, I went on a campus tour uh, in Knoxville, Tennessee, at the uh, University of Tennessee there in Knoxville. Um, was on a, uh, I guess, an orientation kind of tour. The orientation guide was taking us around the campus to uh, to see to see the different sites on the campus, and it's where I ended up going to school. Um, but something stood out to me. So the orientation guide led us by Neyland Stadium, which is this enormous, enormous football stadium that seats over 100,000 people. Um, if you've never seen 100,000 people all gathered in one place, it's it's 
amazing, spectacular to see. Uh, so this massive stadium with a giant orange letter T on it, uh, and, and, and the orientation guy, he made this statement. There, he said, okay, well, there's Neyland Stadium. This is where uh, six Saturdays out of the year, the city of Knoxville gathers to worship. Right? Six, I'm like, I had to think about what You lost me. Six, oh, okay. Football games. I got gotcha. you. Uh, six Saturdays out of the year, six Saturdays in the fall, the city of Knoxville meets there to worship. Uh, and he, he was being funny. He was telling a joke. I mean, he wasn't that far off. Right? You go, you go to those games. I mean, people are insane about football. People are insane uh, about the Vols and, and, and cheering on their team. Um, and, and I, I was in Knoxville, but could you pick any city, uh, man, pick any city in the country? I know, I know football's a pretty big deal in Texas as well. Uh, but, man, man they, they would gather, and, and they would be all about, all about football. And, yeah, he, he was just joking, but, but, man, in a way, in a way, and that is what they worshiped, right? They were just all about that team. Uh, wearing the colors, talking about it, it was on their mind, it was in their conversations, everything they said and did uh, was about promoting the balls, cheering on their team. Uh, and when I was a freshman there, they'd just come off of a national championship win, they just came off of a few years uh, with Peyton Manning at quarterback, uh, and people were just insane crazy about football in that town. Uh, and, and yeah, so the orientation guy, he makes this joke, I mean, that, that's where Knoxville gathers to worship, he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. And in a way, uh, and the people worship football in that town. You know, and, and, and being a student there, you get swept up in it. Before you know it, I mean, I, I'm talking about football and thinking about football my whole weeks leading up to football and, and going to the game and that whole experience. Uh, and, and I would use, you know, the word, hey, I'm worshiping that football team or I'm worshiping that coach or I'm, I'm worshiping that experience. But in a way, in a way, the way it absorbs all of my, my thoughts and my emotions, my feelings, that if the team wins, I'm ecstatic. If the team loses, I'm crushed. Uh, and the way that it involves every part of me in that way, in a way, it's a kind of worship. If it hadn't been football, it would have been something else, right? If it football, maybe, maybe basketball, maybe baseball, or maybe get caught up in this activity or, or that activity, get caught up in this friend group, or, 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 or some, for some of you guys, it might be music. Some of you guys, it might be a band, might be a singer, might be a celebrity. Uh, you know, we, we pick something, and we latch on to it, uh, and we say, man, I'm going to give this thing all of my attention. I'm going to give it, give it uh, man, all of my affection, all of my devotion. And in a way, we worship uh, that thing. Um, and again, yeah, if it's not football, man, it's something else. We figure out something to fill that void. Uh, and the reason is because every person in here, every person, every human being at their core, is a worshiper. Every single person in the world is worshiping something. Even atheists. You know, they want to use the word worship, right? But even atheists have something uh, that is the ultimate focus of their life, the ultimate focus of all of their attention, all of their affection. Uh, as human beings, that's one thing that separates us from every other creature, uh, is that we were made to worship. We were designed to worship. Chris Tomlin had a song a couple years ago, uh, you and I were made for worship. You and I were made for worship. And that's exactly it. The way God designed us, we were built to worship. We worship without even realizing it. It's not something we have to flip on or mean to do. I mean, we, we go around and we, we worship things because that's how we were made. That's how we were designed. Uh, that's how God created us. In every moment of the day, every moment of the day, you're, you're worshiping something. Uh, you're giving worship, giving praise, giving glory uh, to something. If it's not God, then, then it's something else. Is how we're made. We're going to find something to worship, something to glorify. If it's a relationship, man, it's going to, going to get all of our focus, all of our attention, all of our affection. When the relationship's good, we're ecstatic. When the relationship's bad, we're crushed. You know, maybe it's a, a friend group that just means everything to us, right? Uh, maybe it's getting caught up in a, in a career, in a major, uh, in a sport or activity, a hobby, and say, man, this thing defines me. Uh, man, all of my attention is on this thing. Uh, my identity's wrapped up in this thing. Um, 
And, and, and in a way, and you worship that thing, or you worship that person, or that, that, that group, that activity. Uh, now, one way to think about it is this, is that we're all billboards. We're all signs uh, that, that are advertising something, that are pointing to something. We're all big neon signs. You picture yourself like, like, a, like a billboard on the side of the road or a bright neon sign pointing, hey, hey, look here. Hey, look at this thing. This thing is worthy of your attention. This thing's worthy of your focus. Hey, look at this thing. This thing is valuable. This thing is important. Hey, look here. Every single one of us in our billboard, a neon sign in that way, a neon arrow uh, pointing. And, and, and our sign points to those things in life that we really love, that we really enjoy, that we really get excited about. Uh, and some, some of our signs, yeah, like I said, point to, point to friends, point to an activity, a hobby, a sports team, a celebrity. Some of our, some of our signs are point to ourselves. Hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. Some of us are, are in our lives are self-centered, self-absorbed, and, and the one we worship is ourself. And then those signs point to us. Um, but we're, we're signs, and we're all pointing to something. We're all glorifying and giving attention to something at all times. Um, you know, it's not something you have to make yourself do. You don't think, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give attention to something. I'm going to worship something. And you do it naturally. You do it naturally. If you look at your own life, you, you kind of think, and that's how I interact with things and people and objects. I, I give attention. I point other people to those things. Um, and at its core, at its core, that's what worship is. Declaring with your words, your thoughts, your actions, uh, that this thing is worthy. This thing is worthy of attention. This thing is worthy of love. Whatever it is, this is worthy of dedicating my life to. With the, with the way I speak and the, the way I think about it, the way I'm emotionally attached to it, the, my actions. If you were to look at my life, you would see that I'm a sign pointing and saying, hey, this thing here, whatever that thing is for you, this is worthy of your attention. Hey, everyone around me, I want you to see this is worthy of love. This is, I'm, I've dedicated my life to this, and you should too. And we do that about stuff. We do that about stuff. We don't have to be taught to do that. We do it naturally. We don't have to be taught to do that. That's how God made us. Um, and we're all doing it all of the time. Nobody has to be taught how to worship. That's the thing. And when, when a person becomes a Christian, uh, you don't have to teach them how to worship. You have to teach them how to worship God, right? But you don't have to teach them how to worship. They already know how to do that, and they're already doing that. It's just getting, getting to instead of take the focus off of this thing that is not worthy of their, of their life, of their love, of their affection, and getting that focus instead on God, getting that focus instead on Jesus. And no one has to be taught how to worship, just how to talk. How to worship correctly, right? Just how to just taught how to worship correctly. So we said God, God's made every single one of us a worshiper. At our core, we're a worshiper. Why do you think God would make us this way? Just kind of think to yourself, why do you think God would choose to make us this way? And it's because this is the primary way that He wants us to relate to Him. The primary way He wants us to relate to Him is in this posture of worship. The ultimate focus of our worship uh, should always be on the God who made us. It should always be on our Creator. Uh, if we don't worship God, then our, then our hearts are going to find something else to worship instead. Our hearts are going to be drawn to something else. We're going to find something else to glorify, to make an idol out of instead of the Lord. Uh, but that's not his plan. God wants us to worship him. He wants all the glory to go to him. And God gives us man, salvation and freedom from sin. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. He gives us peace, blessings, a home in heaven. And we did nothing to earn it or deserve it, right? Uh, he, said, he said, man, man uh, uh, I'm worthy of worship. I, I, want your, I want your worship. I want your praise. And we think about all that God's done for us. He alone, he and he alone is worthy of our worship. And if you've never been told all that God's done for you, you may think, well, I don't know. What's God done for me? Why, why should I worship God? What's he done for me? If you've never been told all that God's done for you, man, let me be the one. Let me be the one to tell you and how richly God has blessed you. Um, the, the fact that you are alive at all, that you get to experience the wonder uh, of life is a blessing. And that you get to live in 
the United States, man. Memphis is nice. I'm sure Texas is nice. Uh, but you guys got clean water to drink, right? You guys got good food to eat. Um, that, that you don't have to worry where the next meal is going to come from. That, that you guys have a, have a bed to sleep on, probably most of you. A roof over your head uh, when those hard man, Texas rains are coming down. Uh, that, that you've been blessed. You've been blessed relative to so much of the world. Uh, and you may think, man, I'm broke. I don't have any money. I don't have a couple of nickels to rub together. But man, relative to so much else of the world that we live, and here in America, we live in the lap of luxury. God has blessed us so richly. Um, and even beyond that, and even beyond physical blessings and the things we enjoy in this life, uh, and health, and friendships, and family, and all these other things, every single one of us, every human being that there's ever been, um, has had, had a problem uh, in their relationship with God. Every single person, God, God's given free will to, and the ability to choose, and every single one of us has absolutely blown it. Uh, and instead of cho- choosing to serve God, we've chosen to, to turn away from Him. Uh, and instead uh, be proud, be selfish, hurt ourselves, hurt other people, do things the Bible calls sin, that offend God and hurt us. Uh, and these things have separated us from God, separated us from the relationship that God wants to have with us. But the good news of the gospel is that God loves us. He's not content for you to be estranged from Him. And no matter how much you've blown it, how much you've sinned, and every single one of us had, God's not content for you to be separated uh, by that sin forever. So he made a way for you to do, uh, he made a way for, for what you couldn't do for yourself, to make that relationship with him good again, make that relationship with him right again. Uh, God, God is perfect, and in that perfect holiness, man, he, he, he couldn't be in fellowship with us uh, in that state of sin. Uh, but instead of punishing us like we deserve for that sin, instead of that punishment being justly and righteously uh, punished, instead he sent his son Jesus into the world 2,000 years ago. Sent Jesus to dwell among us, to live, live among us, to be that neon sign pointing to, G- pointing to God and no one else was, teaching us how to live. Uh, and then Jesus, who lived the perfect life, which none of us can say we've done, um, he was publicly executed on a cross, nailed to a cross, and died. And God did something amazing miraculous in that moment when Jesus hung there dying on the cross. He took all the punishment we deserved for everything that we've done wrong, everything we will do wrong, and he laid it on Jesus instead. You know, so instead of us receiving separation from God, uh, an eternity in hell, instead of us receiving that from God, we can receive mercy, grace, forgiveness for all we've done wrong when we put our trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Um, and for, 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 if you don't have anything else to thank God for, anything else to praise God for, he's worthy because of what he did for you in Jesus. And Jesus died on the cross for you so you could be forgiven of everything you've ever done wrong. Perfectly forgiven and clean before God so that when this life is over, um, instead of being separated from God, you can be forever with him in heaven. Now Jesus, three days after, after dying, we're going to celebrate it on a couple of Sundays. It's Easter Sunday. Uh, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, conquering death forever for you. So when Jesus promises eternal life for everyone that puts their trust in him, then you can take that to the bank because Jesus conquered the grave appeared to hundreds of people, resurrected, alive after being dead, um, and promising eternal life for you. And God gives that to you as a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't deserve it. He says it's yours. Put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus and what he's done for you. Uh, and, and you're safe. You're made right with God. You've got a home in heaven. And, and, and for nothing else, we've all got a reason to praise God. For nothing else, Jesus is worthy of our praise, worthy of our affection, worthy of our worship because of what he's done for us. He saved us. He saved us, he, he restored the broken relationship we have with God, and he heals us, he delivers us, and, and probably a thousand, hundreds of thousands of other things. We don't even realize what the Spirit's doing in our life each and every day. Um, we, we can't save ourselves, right? We can't save ourselves. He saved us. He did that. 
He saved us and set us apart. His Holy Spirit is at work within us, making us more like Christ. He's the one that makes us righteous. He's the one that makes us holy. And all the glory, all the credit goes for him. All the credit goes to him for that. And he won't share. He won't share. Uh, why, why do you think God wants all the glory? He said, man, I want all the attention for me. I want all your worship for me. And I won't share. I won't share. And what's up with God, right? Why does he demand to be worshipped in this way? Why does he demand our attention this way? Does God have an ego problem, right? Some of you guys, some of you guys maybe from an unchurched background or, or, or not, not, not a Christian and, and you hear about God demanding our worship, desiring our worship, you think, man, what is up with God that he just wants to be worshipped all the time? What, what is this enormous ego on God? And, and, and if, you, if you not have that, maybe some of you have that thought and, and don't want to admit to it, but I mean, that, that's a, a, normal, a normal thought when you hear about God desiring our, our worship. No, God does not have an ego problem, but we do. We do. It's easy for us to slip into pride and arrogance, to think we somehow deserve all that we've got. We look around and say, I've got it pretty good. And look, look, look what I did for myself, right? Look at the life I built for myself. Look at all this I enjoy that I, that I deserve. And we get proud and we get arrogant. Uh, and the Lord says, no, all the glory goes to me because I don't want you to start thinking that you somehow by your goodness saved yourself. That you somehow by your, uh, by, by, by your goodness you deserve all that you have and, and we make idols out of our own self, idols out of our own uh, self-righteousness. Um, you know, I don't want you to mistakenly make a false God out of your own ability and stop trusting God for salvation and start trusting yourself. So I'm not going to share credit, is what God says. I'm not going to share glory for your own good. For your own good. Because if you start trusting in yourself, start trusting in something else to save you, uh, you, you're going to forget that God's the only one you can turn to for hope and salvation and grace. So God is not an egomaniac, okay? God doesn't have a huge ego. He wants us to make a big deal about him. He wants us to make much of him because he's the only one that can actually help people. He's the only one that can actually save people. Think about it this way. If I make my whole life about making a, a big name for myself, I want to make sure that everyone I meet knows Matt Drain, knows who I am. Uh, make sure that I'm famous, that I'm, uh, I'm a celebrity, that I'm a big deal. I want, I want hundreds of people to know me, thousands of people to look up to me, millions of people to follow me on all of the things that you can follow people on. Uh, and, and I want to be really, really popular and famous. Uh, and, and let's say I spend my whole life doing that. And, and I, get, I get a bunch of people that, that know who I am. End of the day, if they come to me with their problems, I can't really help them. If they come to me with their sin problem, I can't help them, right? If they come to me with a problem about where they're going to spend eternity, I can't help them. Only God can do that, right? So if I make my whole life directing people towards me or directing people towards another person or any other activity or thing, and if I make my life all about pointing to that, then that's a waste of a life. Because at the end of the day, if all the people are attracted to that thing, if all the people are, are drawn to me, and I can't help them with the biggest problems they have, their relationship with God, uh, with the sin struggles that they have, I can't help them with that. So when God says, I want your worship, I want your attention, I want all the glory on me, that's the most loving and unselfish thing he could request. Because he says at the end of the day, I'm the only one that can help people. So if you make your life, you have a big, bright neon sign, remember? If you make yourself a big sign that's always pointing to Jesus, always pointing to God, uh, for God to ask that of you is the most loving and unselfish thing he can do. Does that make sense? Because he's the only one that can actually help people. You know, if you make your life all about you, okay, but you can't save anybody, right? You can't forgive anybody's sins. And God says instead, bring all the glory to me. Make your life a sign uh, that points to me. You know, asking to be glorified, asking to be lifted high is the most loving and unselfish thing uh, that a loving God could do for us. God says, I don't want people to be prideful and self-absorbed because they're never going to find real peace 
or freedom or fulfillment in themselves. They're never going to find it in another human being. They're never going to find it in an object or an activity. They're only going to find satisfaction and ultimate joy in God. And it's for that reason God demands glory and He designed you and you and you and you, every single one of you, to be worshipers. That's why God made you that way. So that you can be a sign that points to Him so the people in the world know where they can find hope, where they can find salvation. So you can go around making a big deal about Jesus and what He's done for you so your friends, your family, your classmates know uh, where they can find hope. You know, where they can find uh, uh, peace with God. And, and God is clear about it in His Word. He doesn't want you worshiping other things or other people, but only Him. All of our worship should go to God. Uh, Lily, Lily read a scripture um, from, from Chronicles about ascribing to God His worth, bringing glory to God in all different kind of ways that we can come to God and glorify Him and lift Him up. Um, I want to look at another verse here uh, about ascribing worth and value to Him. Psalm 29, verse 2. It should be up there. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can, can look at it as well. Uh, if you're taking notes, Psalm 29, verse 2 says this. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. Ascribe to the Lord. So tell about, tell about the Lord. Uh, you know, you know, assign things to the Lord that have to do with the glory of His name. The glory of His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. You know, so when we're ascribing the glory of God, we're talking about how worthy God is of worship. You know, that, that, that our lives should be about declaring how worthy God is. And so, so tonight we're kicking off a brand new series in Chi Alpha um, that's going to take us through the, the next five, six weeks uh, all about worship, all about the worthiness of God in worship, all about ascribing to God uh, His worth and how God is worthy of our worship in every situation. God is worthy of our worship when everything is good. You know, and we've got a lot to thank Him for. God's worthy of our worship when everything's just bad. I mean, when our family situation is awful, when our friendships are crumbling, uh, when the boyfriend or girlfriend dumps us, you know, when our grades are awful, man, when, we're, when we're, our, we get fired from our job, or when everything's really bad, God's still worthy of our worship. He's still the God that created you and saved you and has made a home in heaven for you forever. Uh, and He's still worthy of our worship, even in that moment. So the title of the series is, is Worthy. Worthy, because it all has to do with the worthiness of God. Not how we feel, not if we feel like worshiping God in this season of life or that season of life, but is God worthy in every season of your life? And He is. And He is. Um, so we're going we're gonna to really kind of live here on this verse here, Psalm 29, 2. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of His holiness. We're going to ascribe to the Lord. We're going to declare God's worthiness in every situation of our life. And our ups and our downs when we're lonely, when God feels a million miles away. Uh, and in the next few weeks, we're going to kind of be looking at that. What does it mean uh, to live a life that, that your response to every situation is to give glory to God? Your response to every circumstance in life is to ascribe worthiness to God and talk about the worthiness and the glory of God. And that's what worship is. That's what worship is, is ascribing worthiness to God, talking about God's glory, talking about God's uh, the splendor of His holiness, as it says here in the Psalms. And beyond, beyond just ascribing worth to God, worship is also, for us, it's an expression of love. It's a healthy and normal expression of love as part of a healthy relationship. So I'm, I'm married. My wife, uh, Jackie, was, was singing there playing guitar a minute ago. We've been married for a little over 10 years. And it, it would be really unusual for me as her husband to never tell her how I feel about it, right? 
You know, to just assume she knows I love her. I don't need to tell her that, right? You know, she 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 knows I think she's beautiful. You know, I think she, um, I think she's wonderful. I think she's a great mom, a great wife, all those things, and just never tell her that, right? Would that, ladies, would that work? Would that make for a healthy marriage? No, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Um, yeah, and, and vice versa. I mean, if she never, if she never told me how she felt about me. Uh, never said I love you. Uh, that doesn't make for a healthy relationship. We have three children, right? Now I make sure to tell my kids daily, daily. Man, I love you. Daddy loves you. And, uh, and and tell them how I feel about them, how special they are to me. That's a normal, healthy part of a normal, healthy relationship, right? If you've got a friend, then you're going to tell them how you feel about them, right? You're going to tell mom and dad how you feel about them. Say, mom, I love you. If you've not told your mom and you loved her in like the last week, then you need to do that, okay? Homework assignment, all right? Tell your mom you love her. Um, and that, that's normal to do. That's normal to express. Uh, and and, uh, and so, so we're looking at our relationship with God. If we've got that kind of relationship with God, where God, you saved me, uh, and God, 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 you rescued me, thank you that I'm, that, that I'm saved, that i got a home in heaven, but see, you don't ever tell God what he means to you, right? That's what worship is. And to love on God, tell him what he means to you, uh, and that can look like a million different things, we'll get into that in a second, but, but if you don't ever do that, if there's not a, a, time, in, uh, a time in your week, really a time daily, that, that you're telling God how you feel about him, how healthy is that relationship on your side of things, Right? That if you had a friendship, if you had, or you had a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, you had a husband and wife someday, and you never told them how you feel about them, you never told them how much you love them, what they mean to you, how healthy would your communication be? How healthy would that relationship would be? Some of you guys, uh, when you look at your own life and, and time that you set aside to worship the Lord and tell them how you feel about them, tell them how much you love them, you're like, I can't really think of a time that I've done that, you know, maybe in Calpa, right on Thursday nights or on Sunday mornings, but just in my day-to-day, I'm not going around telling them, God, I love you. And Jesus, thank you so much for what you did for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for grace and strength and all the ways you've blessed my life. You know, God, God, you're great. This is how I feel about you. Uh, that should be a normal part of our day, going through the day, loving on God, worshiping God. Uh, it would make for a healthy marriage. It's going to make for a healthy relationship. Uh, and it's going to make for a healthy relationship with God. It's a natural expression uh, and a healthy part of the relationship to tell God how we feel about it. And again, that, that's, you know, so worship is ascribing worth to God, declaring that God is worthy and we know that he is, but also is we're in a relationship with God. Uh, I mean, it's normal and natural for us to tell him uh, how, how, how he makes us feel, tell, tell him how we feel about him, how much we love him. And if we're not doing that, then that is a really awkward relationship on our part, right? So how do we worship God, right? So we know we should worship God, but what does that look like? What does that look like? How do we worship God? And in, and in one sense, I want to say, you know, be careful with this, but in one sense, there's not really a wrong way to worship God. Some people are say, I don't know, I don't worship God, Matt, because I don't really know how. Like, I, I, what do I even do? Where do I start? Uh, and in one sense, there's not a wrong way to worship God, with a few exceptions, right? You can't, I mean, you can't say you're worshiping God in a way that's like clearly in violation of his word or something that's clearly sinful or illegal and saying, oh, I'm just worshiping God. No, don't do that. Right? And, and we see this some in the Old Testament when, uh, when, when Israel starts adopting the worship practices of some of their neighboring countries. You know, they had, they had some uh, neighboring people groups that they would worship their idols and false gods uh, by sleeping with temple prostitutes. And the Israelites were like, wow, we, that sounds fun, so we're going to worship God in that way too. And God says, no, absolutely not. That is not a way to worship God, right? Uh, sleeping with prostitutes, that's not an acceptable way to worship God. Uh, they, they saw that some of their neighboring countries would do child sacrifice and sacrifice their children uh, to these false gods, and they would start doing the same. Just wicked, terrible stuff. And God would say, no, I never told you to do that. Stop, stop. So I don't want to just say, man, however you want to worship God, 
Uh, but, but for the most part, there's not a wrong way to worship God. There's not a wrong way for you to express uh, express your, your, your love for God, to ascribe worthiness to Him, and as long as it's not, uh, not sinful, not evil. Uh, so, so there's not a wrong way, but the Bible does teach us how to worship in a way specifically that pleases Him. And the Bible describes all different kinds of ways to worship God the way He wants to be worshipped, right? The way He wants to be loved on. Uh, and, and, and both how we praise God and the way we live our lives in a way that's going to bring Him glory. So what does biblical worship look like? What does biblical praise look like? We're gonna, we see all kinds of examples. If you're looking through the scriptures, all kinds of examples of what biblical praise looks like. Um, there's prayers spoken out to God, uh, either publicly or privately. Uh, prayers spoken about the glory of God, uh, ascribing worth to God, giving thanksgiving to God. There's singing, again, publicly and corporately, publicly and, and privately. Um, you know, whether that's a spontaneous song to the Lord or whether it's singing along with a song, a hymn, a song, you know, something that's already written, uh, but certainly singing to God. And we see that over and over again in the scriptures. Dancing, we see kneeling, we see playing instruments, we see laying flat on the ground in humility. Uh, just absolutely flattening ourselves, humbling ourselves before the Lord. We see raising hands. Uh, we see all kinds of different physical and public demonstrations. Uh, just about anything you can think of of expressing yourself mentally, physically, emotionally to the Lord. Again, that doesn't specifically violate His Word. However you enjoy expressing yourself. And maybe, maybe God has really put a, a, a gift, a talent in you for, for songwriting, uh, for piano, for guitar, for ukulele, for harmonica, uh, for kazoo, whatever that might be for you. And say, so, I'm really good at this, so I want to give that to God. Or maybe you're an artist. Maybe you can draw. Maybe you can paint. And that could be a way you can express yourself. Uh, say, and, and again, we talk about worship comes natural. No one has to be taught how to worship. So think about what am I doing already to express my emotions, express my thoughts. Now do that for God. Do that to the Lord. And you're a painter, and paint something for the Lord. Or make sure you know, paint in a way that glorifies God, that draws attention to God. Um, and you can sing, do that. You can write poetry, do that. You guys can do some spoken word, do that. Do that in, in such a way that glorifies God. Um, and the Bible also says that the way we live our lives is a kind of worship. Romans chapter 12, the first two verses there. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul writes this. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Paul says that living a pure and holy life of obedience before the Lord is a kind of worship. And that may not be what we think of as worship. Just, so just living my life, just living a pure life? Yeah. Yeah, Paul says that just living a pure, holy life, obeying God, is a kind of worship. Obedience is God's love language. When he sees you obeying, he's like, all right, he loves me. When he sees David obeying, he's like, man, David loves me. He gets it, he gets it. Uh, he sees obeying my commands. God receives that as, as, as love. So he says living a holy life, following God's command, just obeying the teachings of Jesus, uh, is worship to God. How you go about your day, how you treat other people, how you conduct yourself is worship to God. When you wake up in the morning until you go to sleep at night, all the things you do, the way you live, it's all worship. And Jesus makes this distinction, too. Uh, in John chapter 4, with the woman uh, there, there at the well, as he's discussing, uh, having a conversation about worship with her. And you guys can read the whole chapter later, but, but just focus in on verse 23 here. John 4, verse 23, Jesus tells her this. He says, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Jesus makes a distinction. He says, yeah, you know, however uh, you want to express yourself to God, worship God with all your heart. But these two things are important. Make sure you're doing it in spirit and in truth. 
So, so whatever your worship is, the way you express yourself to God, ascribe glory to God, ascribe worthiness to God, um, it should be something that engages you spiritually. It shouldn't just be surface level, right? If it's just engaging your body, but not engaging you spiritually, then Jesus says that's not real worship. You know, if it's, if it's just a mental exercise for you, but it's not engaging your soul, engaging you spiritually, um, then it's just surface level and it's not real worship. Uh, Jesus says the Father's desire and worship that is engaging you on the deepest level of your soul, the deepest level, engaging you spiritually in every way. So whatever that looks like for you. So maybe looking at your life and saying, yeah, there's times that, that really I'm, I'm saying about it. It's just, I'm just saying the words. It's not connecting with me spiritually. And that'd be a time just to pause and say, okay, stop. God, I know you don't just want lip service, right? I know you don't just want me to go through the motions. So I'm just going to stop for a second. Uh, and, and Holy Spirit, would you get a hold of my heart? Would you make it count deep down? Would you help me to worship you in spirit and in truth and not just with words, not just with actions, not just with this or that, uh, but to really worship you with all my heart? Um, he says to worship and engage your spirit. He says also worship in truth. Worship in truth. And this is huge. This is huge. So, so we know there's certain things we're supposed to sing to God and say to God because, hey, that's in the Bible, so we should say that to God. Or, or that's up on the screen, so we should sing that to God. But if I had to be honest, it, it's not true in my heart. That's not a real desire of my heart. And that doesn't mean, like, you can't sing the song if you're not quite there yet because we're all a work in progress and we're all growing, right? Um, but, 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 but our prayer should be, God, would you help make that in my heart? Because I don't just want to say the right things, but then deep down be, be hollow and empty inside because it's not true for me. So, so, so part of our prayer should be, God, make these things true of me. I'm singing, uh, man, with the, the, song, the last song we sang, Give Me Jesus. You can take the whole world and give me Jesus and say, God, there's some things in the world I kind of like to hold on to if I'm going to be honest. But, but God, would you bring me to that place where all I want is you, Jesus. You know, it's not true in me yet, but would you make it true in me where all I want is you, where all I desire is you. Um, God, I don't just want to say the words. I don't just, don't just want to say what I know I'm supposed to say. I don't want to live the life that, hey, I know this is what my life's supposed to look like, but it's not true. It's not real. Does that make sense? So Jesus says, I want you to worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, I want it to be true. Don't, don't just say the words, but man, say what you mean. And one of the wonderful things about God is that even if, if we're in a place that we're, we're a mess, where things are not good, we can tell God that. He's a big God, right? We're not going to offend Him with our, our doubts and fears and questions. If we're upset, if we're angry, and you can come to God with that. You can bring that to Him. I mean, that, that's worshiping in truth, saying, God, this week has been terrible, and I feel awful, and I just want to die, and, but, but here I am, Right? You're going to see example after example throughout the scriptures. Prophets that are like, God, would you just kill me? Because this is the absolute worst. Uh, but here I am. Here I am. God, Jesus says, man, be, be real with God like that. I mean, if you're depressed, tell him that. If you're struggling, be real with him on that. Right? Uh, that, that's the kind of worship that God desires. We can be real and honest before the Lord. Our worship shouldn't just be surface level, but should engage our spirits to reflect the truth of our hearts. So how often then uh, do we truthfully worship God even when we don't feel like it, right? When, when we say, okay, God, I'm, I'm really down. I feel really awful. But because you're worthy, I want to worship you, right? Because, because, because I love you, I want to worship you. And that's going to be the main focus of our series over these next few weeks. Discovering what it looks like to uh, really and truly worship the Lord in every situation, in every circumstance of life, uh, even when it's difficult, especially when it's difficult. We're going to be looking at the, uh, the, the life of David. Um, looking, if you guys aren't familiar with the story of David, you're going to learn a lot about it in the next, next five, six weeks. But uh, you know, you know, David was a shepherd boy in Israel who was anointed to be king. Uh, and he didn't become king overnight. I mean, he, he, he spent decades 
uh, and, and on, on the run from a wicked, wicked king that was trying to kill him. He was in, in battles and in fights and in trouble and all kinds of terrible situations. And even when he became king, everything wasn't good. He, he blew it big time, failed spectacularly, uh, sinned uh, in, in just an enormous way. Um, and and uh, man, man was humble. He had his own children uh, rebelling against him. His own son uh, tried to overthrow him. You know, you know, sent him running out of the out of the palace, and, and he was on the run for his life. And David's life was is insane. Is insane. Full of, of really high highs and incredibly low lows. But David's, David's response. When you look at the life of David. Uh, and his response in every single one of those situations was to worship. Worship when it was good. Worship when it was really really bad. And, and so in this series, in this, this worthy series, learning about having a life of worship, we're going to learn about, man, how do you worship uh, when it's really bad? And how do, you, how, how do you worship? What's the right way to worship uh, to give thanks to God when everything's good? But, man, how, how do I worship when, when stuff is just awful? Or how do I worship when God feels a million miles away, right? And we're going we're gonna to look at the life of David. We're going to look at his response of worship. We're going to look at the Psalms that he wrote. Uh, so in, in the, the, the book that's collected called the Psalms, you've got about 150 Psalms. A little less than half of those are written by David. Um, there are several of them we don't know who wrote them. Uh, and, and, and some of them we, we have very specifically not only who wrote them, but in response to what situations. We're going to be looking at some of those uh, and, and using the Psalms to kind of inform us. I mean, how, how do we worship God in this situation, in that situation? Um, in every single circumstance. And if you guys have ever read through the psalm before, you'll see, man, every, every possible human emotion on the spectrum is represented there in the psalms. Um, when Apple came out with the iPhone, uh, uh, few, well, it's been like 10 years ago now, right? When the iPhone first came out, right, it's new on the scene. They, Apple had run a series of, of uh, commercials because it was the first of its kind. There were, there were kind of smartphones before that, but it was like the real first real big catch everybody attention smartphone. You know, a phone that would also run programs and they called them apps. And, and so Apple ran a series of commercials and you guys maybe remember seeing these uh, where they say, hey, you need to do this, this, that, and this task on your phone? Well, there's an app for that. You guys remember that? And, and so they, they ran those commercials for a couple of years where blah, 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 there's an app for that. Oh, there's an app for that. Oh, you need to be able to tell what time it is on, on over here. Okay, you need to be able to do this task over here. Well, we've got an app for that too. Um, that's how I feel about the Psalms. Whatever you're going through, whatever kind of life situation you're in the middle of, however you're feeling emotionally, there's a Psalm for that, right? There's somewhere where someone's felt the same thing and, and they, they poured their guts out. Uh, poetically before the Lord. And you can read through that, um, and, and it's encouraging, and it's cathartic, and it's, it's a way for us to kind of learn. And even when we're feeling absolutely terrible, we can still come to God with it. We can bring it to the Lord, and we can still worship God and love on God, uh, even in the middle of that. So that's what we're going to be doing in the series over the next few weeks. It's going to be really good, and I'm really looking forward to uh, going over it with you guys. Um, my Texas friends, I'm sorry. If you want to listen online, then all of Kyle's messages are available uh, on our website and also through, through a podcast. So you can still listen if you wanted to. Um, but we're going to be going through the life of David, looking at, looking at how to respond uh, to God in worship no matter what our life situation is. Um, because I want, to, I want every single one of you guys, I want every single one of you guys to be able to get to the place where we can really and truly say that you worship God at all times, in every circumstance, not just when we feel like it. And anyone can worship God when everything is going good. But I'd like every single one of you guys to mature to that place spiritually, mature to that place in your walk with God, that you can worship God when, when, when things are terrible. Worship God when, God when God feels far away, if it doesn't feel near, uh, but still be able to love on Him and worship Him. Amen? So, a couple self-reflection questions to be kind of our takeaway for tonight. So we talked about 
Um, and God alone is worthy of our worship. God alone is worthy of our worship. But every single one of us, if we're being honest, has other things uh, that sometimes take the place of God in our heart. And I want to take a second as we pray uh, to kind of kind of do a self-inventory and say, God, what are some things that maybe are getting so much of my attention uh, that, it, that it's taking away from my worship of you? And again, I'm not saying hobbies are bad. I got hobbies, right? I'm not saying liking sports or liking musicians or this or that. Uh, is bad, but if you're, you're going to be honest with yourself and saying it's taking up so much of my attention, so much of my affection, it's detracting from God, right? It's, it's detracting from, uh, from from my worship to the Lord. That, that if I'm so overwhelmed with this thing that, that I don't have time to pray, right? That I don't have time to worship God each day, and I don't have time to spend in His Word, then that thing has become an idol for me. And so I'm just going to pray, Holy Spirit, would you kind of put put your finger on what that might be in me? Well, it's maybe an idol in my life that I need to set aside so I can better worship You. Also, I also want you guys to kind of do that self-inventory to think, um, you, know, you know, Jesus, you encourage us to worship in spirit and in truth. Is there any way that I'm worshiping you and just kind of going through the motions? You know, that, that, that my worship isn't really engaging my spirit, you know, or, or it's not really true. Uh, and God, would you help it to be true? And we're going to pray that as well. And if there's anyone in here tonight, so we talked about Jesus and talked about what God did for you in Jesus Christ. You know, his sacrificial death on the cross so you could receive forgiveness and grace and mercy. Uh, if any of you guys have never prayed to put your trust in Jesus and receive God's free gift of forgiveness in an eternity in heaven, you've never prayed that before and you want to do that tonight, we give you a chance to pray that as well. Um, so what I ask you to do, uh, and, and this is just out of privacy to your neighbor so everyone can kind of focus in on God and not distract each other. You guys just bow your heads and close your eyes. So you can have a private moment with the Lord and not distract the person next to you. And give, give, your, give your neighbor uh, respect them enough to give them some privacy with the Lord as well. Jack, would you mind come up and point something? Holy Spirit, would you search our hearts? God, would you search our hearts? God, you alone are worthy of our worship and our honor and our praise, our attention and our affection. You alone should be ultimate in our life. Uh, but, but if we're, if we're honest, God, there's things that on a daily basis uh, take so much of our attention, God, that we're not really worshiping you as we should. We're not really focused on you as we should. Our lives aren't glorifying you in the way that they should. They're glorifying other things or maybe glorifying ourselves. Holy Spirit, would you search our heart and would you put your finger gently on whatever that is in our own life? God, things that you maybe want us to de-emphasize so that you can be more glorified in us. Things that maybe become an idol. God, that you just want to dash to pieces, Jesus, so you can be more fully realized in our life. God, you're worth it. Jesus, you're absolutely worth it. There's none like you. There's none like you or beside you. You alone created us, fashioned us, made us. You gave us life. You gave us peace and love and hope. Forgive us of our sins, God. We don't deserve it, but you do it. You give us mercy and forgiveness. You adopt us into your family. When we were rebels against God and we were separated from you a million miles away, you adopted us as sons and daughters. You gave us a room in your house, a place at your table. God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. I pray that you would get the best of us, not what's left over. To give the very best of our hearts, the very best of our attentions and our affections and our love and our worship. 
pray that we daily tell you how much you mean to us. All throughout the day, tell you how much we love you. Like we, like we would with a husband or a wife. We, we never neglect to tell them we love them every day, God. That we worship you in that kind of way. All throughout the day, expressing our love to you. Expressing how great you are. Glorifying you, God, with our lives, with our words, with our thoughts, with our emotions. You alone are worthy, God. You alone are worthy for who you are and for all that you've done. 